0: Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another edition of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. I am Brian Ott. I am Creighton Otter at whiteandbluereview.com, and I'm bringing you episode 18 of our podcast, which started this year, alongside Matt DeMaranis. Uh We're here to catch you up on what's been a really turbulent uh, week. Um, frankly, Matt, longer than a week here, but really a, a turbulent week in Creighton Athletics. Um, some good has happened in the last uh, weeks that we would be remiss not to cover. But obviously the big, um, the big, the big story right now on campus around, around the city and in parts of college basketball is the ongoing um, legal issues of Maurice Watson Jr. So I know we wanted to talk about it because not a lot of media outlets are talking about it around town right now. Um, And you are really close to the program. You're down at practice often, covering all of the games as well. So, Matt, just wanted to get your kind of initial take on what it's been like down around the program the last couple days as more news has broken um, about Watson's um, alleged acts and his uh, delayed but inevitable return back to Omaha this weekend to – to face um, his charges.
1: Yeah, that was a heck of a setup. So I'm gonna call a timeout real quick on <laughs> right. that.
0: Sorry about that, that. On
1: that 15 nothing run, I just want to like you know I, th- I feel like this show does really well when we steer it off the rails real quick and take people on journeys through the through Narnia, if you will. Okay. Uh, what's where did Otter? Like I know Ot and Otter is like a pretty you know. That's where I think it came that's from. Too, Almost too easy of a nickname there, but I mean, like how long has Otter been the thing? Is it like a generational nickname? Does it go down through the centuries of odds, or how does it no, work? No,
0: so it goes to freshman year college. Just had some buddies on our floor in. So K- you were the first, then. The K- first otter. Uh, I was the first otter. So, oh. um, but a funny story about nicknames. So this might be a little too much. Well, it's probably not going to be too much information for this podcast because I'm sure a lot of that <laughs> shit's coming up. But uh yeah, when I was in grade school and in high school, I just I had especially when like after puberty, right? Like. I just I sweat it all the time. Like, okay. it doesn't really matter uh, playing sports or just doing whatever. Just, I kind of, I just sweat. Um, and when I was younger, my initials that everybody called me by, because Bryant was difficult for my brother and my sister, my younger brother and sister to say, um, they just called me BT because my middle initial is T for Thomas. So Eight. I get to high school, or not even high school, like seventh, eighth grade, and a couple guys in our class, um they kind of started to put two and two together and realized that my initials are actually BO and I sweat too oh. much. So dude, yeah, you can imagine. It started No. Oh yeah. It was like four years of just shit. You poor so. Guys. You know, I got I got thick skin. Um smelly thick skin. <laughs> <laughs> now, smelly um wet yeah, damp. Refused. Yeah. Damp, you know. skin. damp skin. So yeah uh when i got to college obviously i was really excited to not have anybody call me bl because by that point got everything kind of i righted the ship a little bit and uh the old personal <laughs> the old personal hygiene but god this did go off the rails this is super though Uh
1: um, we'll steer it back into uncomfortable
0: pretty soon in a second <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um, if they think this is uncomfortable get ready right we're just kind of lowering the boom here um so yeah, buddy just started calling me Otter, and then when I was looking for a handle to start my initial Creighton, my Creighton basketball blog, which was creatively titled Blue Jay nice. I mean, you really so- access?
1: I bet you were poor like going. I bet you spent an all night trying to think of a name for it. And
0: right. But then,
1: where you landed on that one?
0: In. And I can't tell you how many times people call us like Blue and White Review, or like don't know the name of it. And we purposely did that, right? We didn't want to use any of Creighton's Fun- trademarks or anything in our, in the title of our show. Just, Funny
1: story about that is every time we cover a game in Lincoln, they put Blue and White Review on the credential. No and joke.
0: I, and I don't understand, like White and Blue Review yeah. sounds so much better than Blue and White Review.
1: Like I know, not even close. Plus, yeah, it's the Huskers have the Huskers haven't figured it out
0: yet. That doesn't shock me, but this. <laughs> is legitimately the title of our school's fight song written by gordon richmond way back in the day and Mm -hmm. nobody puts it together but anyway i digress some of my blog posts with that blog because that title like if anybody typed in blue jay basketball like talk about a keyword bump i mean i had dozens if not hundreds of posts every season and so it bounced up but yeah crate notter was the pen name and then I just kind of carried that over to the blog. We all we all used pseudonyms uh, for the first couple of years of the blog, and then you know it just got difficult sometimes to keep our social media accounts separated. So, so yeah, I kind of
1: bucked that trend by not being very creative and coming up with a name for myself. So I know, but you have an awesome. But it's still name, funny because so. everybody thinks everybody thinks Patrick Marshall is a real person too. They don't really understand the difference between Darren and Patrick. So I know, and it's amazing. I think we have two guys that cover. Um that cover women's sports sometimes, Darren and Patrick. And I'm like, no, it's only one person.
0: We've got a huge staff because we just give everybody four names. So (laughs) it works out well.
1: But Darren and Patrick both have credentials from Creighton, so it's pretty funny.
0: Four names each, but one paycheck amongst the entire group. So (laughs) it works out well. I just
1: didn't know if you were really, like, if you had, like, skills of an otter, like, you could build, like, a really good, I don't know, what do otters do? They just swim around and look cute, I it.
0: I mean, I am good at swimming, and I, and I have short arms, so I
1: guess it works. Yeah, I mean, you're cute, I guess. So yeah, Thanks, all, man. The make, all the things that make you an honor. Valentine's
0: right. Day was a couple weeks ago, buddy. I appreciate it, though.
1: Yeah, no problem, man. Um, let's land back on the deck here. Uh, yeah,
0: so yeah. super uncomfortable. Uh, Creighton point guard Maurice Watson Jr. is in Douglas County Correctional Facility. Uh, I guess that's the correct term. I don't know, man. Like... I'm just gonna be blunt. Yeah. Um, we don't need we
1: don't need to we're not we're not like a news I don't need to know news. where
0: he is. Right. Other than I know he's not with the team. He's not allowed on campus. And he's got a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar bail that's been that's been uh put against him. So yeah, that's seventy five thousand dollars he's gotta come up with on bond if he wants to leave uh confinement and, and last
1: I heard they did come up with it, didn't they? Am I mistaken that I don't know? They, they might have um I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, so yeah, he's got a first-degree sexual assault allegation or charge now. I guess it's not an allegation anymore. We can call it a yeah, a charge, can't we? Yeah. So the uh, district attorney's pressing charges. There's a story in the Omaha World Herald that's pretty graphic. That you know, if you have a stomach for it or haven't eaten or are digested, go read that and you'll know what's going on. Um, it's pretty uncomfortable stuff. Though, like I read it at practice today for the first time, it was really hard to get through. It's like can't help but think, and this is what I've been thinking like the whole time too, it's like, I can't help but think, there's no way, and some of these guys are tuned out like socially, like Cole Huff, you know, del- doesn't do social media during the season, and I think Zierden's the same way, and, you know, Kyrie was for a while, like, I think they tune most of that stuff out, but there's no way they don't know what's going on, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And they've And they've known for longer than anyone, because... While while the public has only found out about it last week, prior to who they play, Providence, prior to the Providence game, yeah, so a few hours before, okay, uh, he hasn't been around, and I mean literally has not been around since. You know, early February. Not at practices. Not on campus. Not uh, at the championship center. Not at the arena. I think the last time anybody saw him was the Xavier game, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, was... because
1: then he would have left uh,
0: a day or two after that to go back to Philly for surgery.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, like, for a while it was, you know, we just assumed he was in Philly, and then you're asking around, and you're like, so where's Maurice? Uh, is he still in Philly? And they're like, I think so. And you're like, you think so. You don't know where your most popular player, senior, team leader, former All-American guard so, is? Wait, can I sure? I want to go off
0: the rails here. Because, okay. like, to me, Justin Patton was the most popular player at least maybe that's just to me i don't know okay the guy's so fun to watch and goofy i mean i know maurice was getting a ton of cred and and um love from the pundits and stuff and he obviously was the quote-unquote stir that or the straw that stirs the drink but like to me like i'd take justin in terms of okay. just straight up popularity and watching i feel like that's a thing is that close yeah. to a thing you think
1: uh, I think you can make an argument for that. Uh, okay. Still unusual to not know the whereabouts of Maurice Watson Junior. Okay, or to be, or to be like you know. Fair enough. He's short though. Or to, or, though. He's or, more or to small. have like <laughs> we just lost him. Uh, hey. I don't know where he's at. So like you know to, to to kind of like shoulder shrug that like and it's like okay maybe there's something to this and you know you just but you just leave it be you know because I tell you what I was not thinking what this was you know what I mean sure I figured, I figured it was something you know, maybe, like, dr- team drama or something like that. Like, maybe he said something. Because he likes, he, you know, he's talkative. He's always, you know, talking guys, coaching guys up and things like that. So, I'm like, maybe it rubbed the pr- one person the wrong way or, you know, and there was a fight or something like that. And the things that you don't report, you know, like a fight in the locker room and that sort of stuff. Like, maybe it was just one of those things. And then, boom, you know, there's the one thing you hope it's not, and it was the sexual assault. Allegation that turned into charge, that turned into first degree sexual assault, that turned into, you know, most people losing their lunch today reading what the actual allegations were. Um, and it's just like, from the perspective of the team itself, because I feel like we're going to have a lot more time to get into this once the case plays out and things like that, Um, to talk about it from the angle. Of the victim and Maurice and things like that. So for now, I just want. To I focus just want on... to know
0: about the team, man. Frankly.
1: Yeah. So I just want to talk about like the team. Like, just imagine what's going through their minds right now on a daily basis since they found this out. I mean, the mental state of that group to not even talk about it to anybody, and I'm sure they've got counselors and things like that that they can talk about it too, but. You know, as far as just addressing what's in the room to people that are there, you know, and it's not like anyone's asking and they're saying we can't talk about it. I mean, they're just, it's one question, like, do you have a comment? No, but I mean, from the team's angle, they're not saying it's, it's not even being brought up. They're not saying anything about it. They're just going about their, you know, they're playing basketball. They're practicing. They're working hard, trying to, you know, win games and all that. And it's just like, think about the distraction it's got to be for them. You know, like I can't even, I don't even know how you would deal with that at an age like that because it's not like Maurice was, uh, you know, a guy on the team who had like a click. It was like everybody trusted that guy. You know, everybody went to him for, you know, basketball advice and leadership and, you know, how to get through this or where to be here. I mean, he was just like a – he was the voice for the players and he's not there anymore. And that's got to be I, – I don't know what that's like for them, but I can't imagine – they showed up and found out he was being suspended. Found out why, and we're just like, okay, well, let's get to practice. <laughs> right. I it just there's no way. So it's gotta be weighing on him. I mean, even more than anybody can possibly imagine. While we're talking about while we're talking about point guard rotations and JP wait, people are talking about the
0: point freshman. guard rotations. What? <laughs>
1: What's that? They're they're fine. You mean people uh, are
0: cheering when Davion checks into the game in a yeah, resigned, resounding Bronx cheer that was not limited to just maybe one section of over inebriated Jay backers, but arguably well, all, well, the majority of the lower
1: bowl. Yeah. Well, they're losing at the buzzer to Providence. While they're losing by two. While they're dropping these games and yeah. trying to get some momentum going in the postseason play. I don't know what's in their heads right now, but I can't imagine that when they're not thinking about basketball, they're not thinking about this. And I can't imagine when they're thinking about this, that they're in a good state. But, what I mean, you don't know until you find out, and you just kind of hope that they're able to deal with it the best they can. But, you know, just to mat- I, I, I see what it's like for the fan base, because I see, you know, on what it's like on Twitter and social media and the message board to see how the fans are handling it and how they feel about it. And what they re- how they react when they read it, and then I'm trying to imagine his best friends thinking like that. Yeah, you know, what I'm saying it's ten times. It's got to be a hundred times worse, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, like I, I, sh- again, I just I'm not even going to pretend to put myself in their shoes because nowhere near it, and um, I'm glad I've never really had to do that, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not. Paint this as a, oh my gosh, this is happening, and that's why they've lost X number of games, for sure. But, like, these guys, like, how old's Justin Patton? Like, he seems like he's 15 years old. I know he's, like, 19. Mm-hmm. But these guys have, uh, yeah, it's just tough. Like, this is real life. And, I mean, I know that being a college basketball player is, quote unquote, real life. And, you know, I'm sure there are real elements of real time living when you go and spend a bunch of time in the championship center and then you go spend a bunch of time with professionals who are set up there to help you succeed in the classroom and you've got coaches looking after you and you're flying on charter flights to go play basketball games in some of the best cities in the country you know i'm only somewhat facetious right like that's their reality right now and Mm -hmm. now one of their friends one of their teammates one of the people that they've sweated with throughout training sessions all summer long for an all season practice travel, all that stuff. Right. I mean, he's facing some shit, like some real problems Mm -hmm. and that's not just a sweep it under the rug scenario. You know, I think it's going to be super awkward tomorrow night or tonight whenever you're listening to it right at senior night. And we as a, a team at white and blue review, we decided that we were going to create our senior day video packages like we always do for the seniors that we knew were going to be on or Tuesday night. And, you know, Maurice isn't going to be out there. And no. I think that's going to be weird for a lot of people. And it's not a good weird or a bad weird or whatever. It's just if you asked this team a month or two ago, would they be dealing with all this stuff? Uh, it wouldn't even – god you would hope it wouldn't have been on their radar right you hope that this wasn't a thing that was a foregone situation was going to rear its ugly head but um you know i know i'm kind of just going off the rails here a little bit but nobody you know you've been crazy after the first villanova game to be like oh you know do you think that was fun uh your point guard is going to blow his knee out and then allegedly rape a, uh, a fellow student and you know, and then oh, I'm sorry, but the Jays are going to lose some games. I'd be like, "Excuse me, what?" Yeah, let's Don't go. Don't really a care bit, about yeah. basketball at this right. point. Um, now I know people are huffing and puffing about point guard play, and yeah, you went to Villanova and you were tied and cl- at the break, and you just couldn't. Like, who cares, guys? Right. Like, this is real life, yeah. and. As a graduate of Creighton University and as someone that champions Creighton University and Creighton athletics throughout the community, and I have ever since I was, you know, too dumb to know what even that means, um, this Mm -hmm. is worrisome. And it's a situation that there's no winners or lose. I mean, there's no winners at the end of this, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know. It's just I'm supposed to go to New York for the basketball tournament. It's going to be, you know, I want to go to support. The guys and I want to go to, uh, you know, support our school, but yeah, that's like the last thing on my mind right now because mm-hmm. all of this is just there and it's just a cloud right now. And that and that's, a cloud is too soft a term, but I mean that's really no, no other way to put it because at the same time, you know, Isaiah Zierden and Zach Hansen and Cole Huff, they deserve a great moment tuesday night (laughs) they Mm -hmm. deserve their senior night they deserve you know isaiah is going to get yelled at from the crowd like that's just going to happen because that's happened all friggin season long but Mm -hmm. he's going to get a great ovation before the game he's going to get great ovations during the game and he's going to get the opportunity after the game to speak and cole is going to get that and he deserves it because he's worked his his big old butt off in the you know, coming back from all these injuries and dealing with think about what injuries this now.
1: Class, yeah, think about what this class, the guys are going to stand up there tomorrow at the end of the game and kind of give their little tribute to the fans and to the coaches and the staff and the players and everything for the years that they spent at Creighton. Think about what they've been through physically. just run it down. Microfracture surgery. Cole Huff microfracture surgery. You know, constant chronic knee pain where that causes them to miss practices all the time. Routinely. He never practices. I think he gets the first day off and he practices like the last two days or day before the game to get prepared. Uh, Zach Hansen. Microfracture surgery in the offseason also uh, to a less weight-bearing part of his knee so he could come back faster. Comes back faster than even anyone thought from the original surgery, tears ligaments in his ankle that possibly could have ended his senior season prematurely to the point where you're like, do you register him or not? Were some of the questions comes back from that about a month early, works his way back to get another rotation to play, to finish out his senior season on his terms. Uh, and he's doing and then, work right now.
0: I mean, he's yeah, not just out there filling a spot.
1: And then you t- then you go to Isaiah Zierden. Who, like you said, for some reason has a segment of, and listen, everyone's entitled to their opinion, you know, and we don't have like open phone lines here. So I can't like Thank give God. people their, give people their say, <laughs> but let's just say like, you know, he's not beloved. Okay. So let's just go through what he's been through here. Um, ripped his knee in half at Sentosa Center, which is, you know, again, a court that I think should be banned. Burn it down. Just burn. burn it down. Um, ripped his knee in half at Central Center to the point where I thought I literally was watching that. and I was like, I think he just like bent his whole entire leg the wrong direction, like in half, and I don't think he's ever gonna play again. Uh, comes back from that, goes to Hinkle and does it again. Um, then he's coming back from that, and is about to finish a season finally in one piece. For the first time in his career, and uh, I don't Not know so what—I can't remember—he what tore in his shoulder, but he hurt his shoulder. Ended up having, you know, to be ended up playing with one arm out there for two games before he decided it was, you know, hurting the team more than it was, you know, as much as his effort was trying to help. And then he needs to miss more games to end the season again. So, like, he's coming down to finally, hopefully, knock on wood, just let it happen. Basketball gods, where he can finally finish a season on his own two feet, on his own terms. Oh, by the way, he's trying to play a position that he's never played in his life to try to help his team salvage a season that was, you know, had a Final Four ceiling and now is, you know, kind of reeling right now and trying to find itself just to win a game to stay out of the playing of the biggest tournament, right? So think about what that guy sacrificed physically, what he's gone through. And yeah, when you're thinking about whether you should like cheer or not tomorrow when he's comes in and plays point guard over Davion Mintz, try to remember that stuff, like for crying out loud. I mean, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, argue about the point guard rotation all you want on the message boards and social media. Like, but when that dude's out there, you know, hitting threes and pointing to the sky and, you know, playing with swagger and doing his thing, like, remember everything that he's been through to get to the even onto the court in that moment. And just try to think if you could do it. If you could put yourself through all of that physical torment, if you will, and then get back and want to even do it again, like I'd retire, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, man. Are you kidding? I mean, after that, yeah. knee, that knee injury at Xavier, it was so brutal to watch. It, may, it I was. Mean, we talked earlier about stomachs being upset. That was legit. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, uh, Tom Nimitz, uh, White Blue Review, he does all of our great video work and this is kind of a tradition that he established a couple years ago to put these senior videos together and i mean just the longevity for these guys i know cole's a transfer um but you know zach and isaiah man like they've been around so long that you know some of his earliest cut-ups in the highlight reels are from playing on those doug mcdermott teams and playing down it um you know just I don't know. They've just been with the program so long that it all comes back to where I was headed the first time, which is those guys deserve support. Those guys deserve their senior night. And so, yeah, I have no problem with the way things have been handled from the university's uh, from the athletic department's standpoint. And I know that you and I talked a little bit off air that this has uh, far longer reach and will take. I mean, what's going to feel like excruciatingly long for all sides to um, to come to a resolution. So we just... You know, to... th-
1: you know what I was thinking about today, though? Like, they're going to go out to New York in, what, a week and a half? Yeah. Do you, I mean, that media... I don't know how that media is not going to be, like, just hounding that story. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just don't. So I'm really curious to see what happens out there, as far as what gets said and what doesn't, you know how they handle that situation. I mean, I'm sure they could handle it really easily by just saying we're not going to comment on it because it still has to play out legally. Which I'm sure totally that's worked well. I'm sure that's
0: worked well for people in New York media. Like, I'm sure they'll respect. Right? I'm sure they yeah, respect that. On, like, like, yeah, I'm
1: sure. Right. We've seen. I remember I told you. I think I have told a story on this podcast before about New York media when it came to when they when the New York Post sent somebody to cover. St. John's when Lavin was still coaching and Creighton beat Obekba's team by three for their first like conference win or whatever. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. So like New York media just like we're sitting in the press conference and he's just hounding Lavin about just underachieving and all this. Like it was just a one on one, just like throwing like tomatoes at the the performer type of deal. Hmm. And it was like so yeah. So we go out there to New York media with a you know a guy as prominent as Maurice Watson Jr. um, having a first-degree sexual assault charge, you know, hanging over him and the university, and try to no comment the New York media on that one. It's going to be uncomfortable,
0: yeah, to say the least. Um, you know, so we just wanted because to... it's
1: not fair for them, right? What are they? What are they supposed to say? Like, what is Mac or any of the players supposed to say about that? You know, to a national media person at this point in time, nothing. I mean, there's nothing they can say.
0: They'll say what they are. Um... Kind of instructed to by all of the folks involved, and yeah, you just focus on the task at hand. But again, that's easier said than done, right? I mean, the thing for me is, oh, and yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm a Mac guy um, because I'm supportive of of who's at the helm, right? Unless his name's Rick Johnson, like you pretty much got my support. <laughs> um, and I know I'm feeling like I'm saying, I, not, uh, I feel like I'm saying.
1: What a, what a, what if Rich Johnson's a listener? That'd awesome. be
0: amazing. I w- well if he has <laughs> bryant dot at gmail dot com, shoot me a note. We'd love to have you on the show. Lots of questions to ask. I know <laughs> that I've been saying um a lot, but I if I'm trying to measure my I'm That's trying me. to measure my, <laughs> my statements here. Um Uh huh. So this is the last time I'm gonna talk about it, and then we have some really great interviews and some great coverage to to uh to share tonight. But you know, the couple of days after they get back from Cincy, after Maurice hurts his knee, and they have the press conference, um, and, you know, Mac is talking about the, you know, the leader Maurice is, and you know, what he means to the program and all this stuff, you know, and, and everybody's kind of smiling even though everybody's pissed off because the injury obviously has far-reaching ramifications for what was shaping up to be a, a really s- superb year for the team. Like, you go back and you watch that and you're like, God, man, Mac just has to be beyond uh, disappointed. I mean, I can't even imagine what that's nope. got to feel like for him. I don't know. Right. I mean, Brilliant. you're going to hear just you're going to hear Justin and Kyrie uh, just FYI, a uh, little tease. But Matt sat down with Kyrie Thomas and Justin Patton and did a little co-interview with those guys. And it's awesome. Sixteen minutes of great stuff. But, you know, Justin very clearly in the interview talks about how much he goes to Mac for support for for basketball and just for life. Talking talking through stuff. He always can talk to his family, but the Mac's there for. For stuff that, you know, his family isn't there for. And I've got to imagine that Mac has that. He comes off at least that way, right? That's got to be the... Yeah, uh,
1: no matter... I mean, when when you think no one's looking at him, he's doing it. Like, it's all the time.
0: Right. And so, you know, this hyperbole that... These guys are my kids and I'm the father figure and we're a family and all that blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know... As much as Maurice's family is close, put in just, a tough position, as it,
1: to it is a, what do you say? It's as close to true as it get. it's as close to true as it can get. I mean, it's just the way it is, and it's just he's, it's got to just be he is, that, he is that.
0: So, um, obviously, it's been a rough go on the court for the Jays, but not, that all pales in comparison. You know, dropping a, a buzzer beater to Providence at home and then underperforming in the second half in what was shaping up to be a pretty winnable situation. I guess as winnable as a situation as it could be in the pavilion, you know, you got Villanova tied at the break. Jalen Brunson's on the bench for, with two fouls for a good portion of the first half. Kyrie is locking down Josh Hart like he does. And, um and, and Marcus Foster's getting going, getting loose again, and, yeah, you, know, you just can't, you know, it's close. The Jays had the opportunity to to track down a loose ball on a miss shot by Villanova that would have given them the ball with about, what, three and a half, four minutes to play, down seven. Loose ball, like it seems every friggin' loose ball has gone the other team's way this last two or three weeks. Loose ball goes out to Nova, they score, and then, you know, they just kind of, pile it on from there but
1: um... and the rest that on Sunday too you know just to get back on like the basketball side of things um, you know fighting for those loose balls and things like that I mean Sunday's Sunday's practice wasn't for the faint of heart that was a tough one you know it was an honest one it was one of those where you know there, there, was, a, it was, there was a zero tolerance type of deal for those type of mistakes anymore and the lack of winning those 50-50 balls so I'm curious to see how um the team in the short term um, does in that category uh, considering that was a pretty big focus practice here leading up to the St. John's game tomorrow night um, was just being better in the fifty-fifty balls and the hustle area and things like that. Just
0: yeah. Showing. I mean, I, I thought, you know, there was a play Toby laying out right near the Villanova bench to go for a ball that, I mean, let's be honest. He didn't have any chance at that ball, but it didn't matter. Like he got down on the floor and went after mm-hmm. the ball. And you got to do that. Um, You're going to have to do it against St. John's because in what they lack in refined guard play, they surely are athletic and quick and talented, and they've got length all over the place. So I know that we put up a nice performance against them, and Justin Patton surely had a breakout game against the Red Storm out at Cardaseca Arena. Um Back early on in conference play but to say that those two teams are different now than they were then is a gross uh overstatement and it's going to be difficult I know that the I know that the Jays need one more win to for sure uh avoid the play-in games but um you know I think it's I think that as you texted me Sunday evening or Saturday evening even um Biggest game of the season is Tuesday night. It just so happens to be a senior night that's gonna have yeah. all sorts of creepiness involved with it. So hope Jays fans are ready to be uh vocal and support all of their blue jays that are out there. Um because they're gonna need some help against St. John's. Yep. So Sunday's practice is uh, a little rough, huh? Yeah,
1: Sunday's practice was uh it was one of those I mean, you kind of expected it because you wondered, um, you just wondered about, okay, they lost at Villanova, you know, I guess you can probably look at the schedule before the season and say that's probably going to be a loss, right? But I mean, just because Villanova is who Villanova is, but you know, just with it com- coming at the time when they probably needed that to be a win and they didn't get it and probably could have. I mean, I in a bigger picture sense, call me crazy, but I kind of if I'm Creighton, I want Villanova on day two of the Big East tournament, and it's, it's where because they've Villanova... been susceptible. The yes, they have been, and they and they have six guys right now. They're gonna be dead. You know, on the second day of the back, uh, the back-to-back days.
0: Well, the, let's you know on the third day and just make sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the third day, even more so, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean. You want yeah, I I don't think unless you get Villanova on day 1, I'm not really you know, I don't really, I don't think Villanova's going to win the Big East tournament. Like if that's a hot take or not. God, dude, don't.
0: you keep missing all of your guesses the last couple of weeks, so now they're going to boat race everyone.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, well, if boy. they do then it's just yeah, whatever, but uh meant to be. I just don't think that yeah, I don't think they got the, I don't know, that depth is insane. I don't, I mean if they how do they, how do you go how do you go 3 days and 3 day and 3 wins with six guys?
0: I don't know. I mean, when is uh, when's Daryl Reynolds going to be back?
1: I don't know. I mean, I keep hearing that like Daryl Reynolds and Phil Phil Booth has been day to day since the season started. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. Right. So I don't know. Maybe Daryl. I don't know what Daryl Reynolds has got. They say it's a rib injury, but for all we know, it's like a, <laughs> we might as well have took organs out for crying out loud and called it a rib injury.
0: That's so, how Jay Wright eats. He just feasts off the organs of his players. He's looking a little like a vampire. There, of, yeah. yeah. He's looking a little, looking a little peakish, Yeah. To yeah, me. At least.
1: You're a fan. You're a fan though, aren't you?
0: Of Jay, Wright? I'll tell you yeah. what, I was a bigger fan of Jay, Wright Before we joined the big East, I have been shocked at, now this is coming from, uh, a very proud potty mouth in my own, right? That guy's got some, that guy's got some words sure. to him. Not Chris Mack level, uh, but close, I'd say the two guys that dropped the most bombs yeah. on that visitors bench in, um, in big East play Chris Mack, number one easily. And then Jay's right there.
1: Uh, where's Mullen at? He's got to be coming up.
0: I don't know. He's never on the Mullen. bench long enough for me to watch.
1: That's, you know what? That's a, that's a totally fair point. He You know, he I does, mean, legitimately.
0: Uh, so last year before he gets those teas, he gets thrown out. I mean, I think, he got, I think he got lost, Matt, like inside the catacombs of the CenturyLink Center because I don't – he barely showed up in time for the National Anthem, and he was wearing like sneakers when he shouldn't have been. It kind of was like a Golden Girls moment. Like he was lost. I don't know. It was weird. But like the complete opposite is my boy Cooley. Like Ed Cooley is the man. And yeah. he right. is just locked in, and he's constantly coaching up his guys. Um, and he gets his upset. I mean, he's, I think he got a technical that first year, um, Mm -hmm. during Doug's crazy senior night monstrosity performance, um, or one of the nights. But yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I digress. Uh, I like, I like, I liked Jay better before we were in the same conference. I'll just say that. And not just because they've whooped our ass every time.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Um,
0: Speaking of whooping cool. ass, how about Jim Flannery's creating blue Jays?
1: Wow, right? Um co
0: champions yeah. of the big east. What were what were you saying?
1: Yeah. I mean I guess Yeah, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? I mean if you wanna if a team and I the I guess in hindsight uh much of a distraction, but I mean think about all the injuries they've gone through. I know it's multiple times, but like the underlying underlying story of their entire season was, you know, they lost an all-league player in MC McGorry right before conference play started. Um, Jade Owens, who was probably, I don't know about easily, but probably the second best player on the team out in Chicago last year for the Big East tournament when they made it all the way to the made it all the way to the championship game on the fourth day and uh, you know she's done for the whole year she doesn't play a single game Allie Green who had a couple two or three or four good games early on and um, she her her knee and has to have surgery and she's done for the year and just boom 16-2 and two in conference play first Big East title in school history hanging a banner you know what I mean like yeah. crazy no, like it is. bravo. It is.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, what Coach Booth's volleyball program did this year, the accomplishment there, I mean, when you're looking at the women's bas- uh, women's athletic programs on campus, that's obviously going to be tough to beat this year. That's a torchbearer. But when you throw everything in the mix and you, you look at the Big East, they're probably – I think I saw – today in in the women's basketball bracketology stuff I think most people have three teams in DePaul Creighton and Marquette <laughs> I mean so you're talking about three out of ten teams or um three three teams in the league getting in um you know I just pound for pound I think this is just a huge story that that Jim Flannery was able to guide this team um you know, with Marissa Janney back and and still dealing with all of those those injuries um, to a regular season title, I know you lost to your co champion twice, but I mean, it's hard to be it's hard to beat a a good th- a good team three times. Uh, that is uh, an adage that we, I mean, we always hear this time of year. So, what do you say?
1: I mean, just it's it's crazy because it's crazy because they were picked first. So when you when you tie the you know when you put the when you put the ends together you go okay well you were predicted to finish first and you did but I mean it's just like it doesn't even come close to understanding how they did it I mean and DePaul too DePaul is another team that had like yeah catastrophic injuries like you know from a quality standpoint I mean Jessica January was the preseason player of the year. I don't know how many. I can't remember. I don't know off the top of my head how many games in conference play she played, but I'm pretty sure it's less than five. Sure. And they still they still rolled the league without her, and then she comes back and she's dropping triple doubles like it's her job, you know, mm-hmm. right in time for her conference tournament play. That's a team you don't want to play. I was going right like, to say January anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah, they looked. I mean, they they looked kind of beatable on Sunday, but you know, Georgetown's pretty tough, so it is what it is. But like. Uh, it's kind of funny because Creighton started out in a struggle and Mark, and DePaul started out in a blowout and by the end of it Creighton was in a blowout and DePaul was in a close game so it was kind of funny how it flipped in the second half but yeah I mean just for both of those teams to go through all the injuries they went through and still come out on top of the league comfortably I mean they won by four games each of them right? Right. What did DePaul, what did Marquette, Marquette finish I guess 13 and 5 so two games there were three games up on Marquette so, DePaul beat Marquette by three games and got swept by them. So, imagine what that was like in the rest of the right. league. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, guys, right. you swept them and lost by three games. And then Creighton was three games up with Marquette and swept them. So, I mean, it was impressive not only in that they were able to, uh, you know, get through all those injuries and still come out on top as they were predicted to do, but they did it comfortably. Like, had it locked up to the point where it was a two-team race. It was a two-team race to last. Three weeks of the season.
0: So yeah. So who wins the Big East women's basketball coach and coaching staff of the year? It's got to be Flan and those guys, right?
1: I I think it might be a co thing, actually. Think so? Um, Yeah, because I mean, DePaul, like I said, DePaul went through the same type of injuries that Creighton did. Um, I think if I I think you know, there's a possibility that DePaul's staff gets it because if they they try to say, well, they finished tied, but DePaul's staff swept Creighton. So I mean. Which would totally snub the job that Jim Flannery and his staff have done uh, just getting that team to figure things out and be playing their best basketball right now mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I think both staffs deserve it though I mean as much credit has been given to Doug Bruno and that crew you know in the past and you say well, you know what's another what's another one of those awards for him but I mean they deserve it because like I said, you know sure. you lose the preseason player of the year and don't miss a beat. You deserve some recognition, so I, I I think both should get it. So we'll see how it plays out because both certainly deserve it more than any other staff in the league by far. I don't how about consider, this? I, I think it's a, I think it's a two staff race, if, if you will.
0: I think so. I so, uh, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. just like you know, seems like a no because everyone race.
1: else either under everyone else everyone else either underachieved hit, like the Big East coaches poll. I don't know if you know what this looked like in the preseason. So it looked like Creighton and DePaul were preseason favorites. Then it was Marquette. Villanova, um, Saint John's was fifth. No, Georgetown was fifth. Saint John's was sixth, and then um, Seton Hall, Providence, Butler, or Xavier, Providence, Butler, Seton Hall were the last four. So, like, they got the first six teams. The coach the preseason coach poll got the first six teams dead on, except for Georgetown and Villanova. Georgetown and Saint John swapped spots hmm. at the end. Okay and then the last three teams in the entire the last three teams in the league that they picked to finish 8, 9 and 10 I think were all one spot off. So the coaches did the coaches knew what they were doing when they picked that preseason poll because they almost nailed that whole thing 1 through 10. So that's why I mean there's not much like if you're trying to give uh there's no overachiever and funny enough the overachieving teams were the teams that won the league because they had to overcome so many injuries just to meet preseason expectations. So I think Flynn and Bruno and their staffs deserve the recognition at the end of the season because there wasn't really any other staff that overperformed their predictions. They all kind of no, fell think, in line where people thought they would.
0: No, I think that's a great encapsulation of it, right? I mean, faced with adversity in terms of your, um, you know, your, your abilities on the court. You guys coach them up, and you finish tied atop the league. I think there's no better testament to that. I mean, selfishly, I want to see Flan win it, but um, mm. you know, the good news is, no matter no matter what, Coach Flannery and his staff has coached this team up now to a position where they should, barring some just crazy happenstance, right? They'll be in the NCAA tournament regardless of what happens in Milwaukee.
1: Stone cold lead pipe lock, baby. That there you go. And then they get as
0: yeah, I mean they're, they're what top, they're in. top five, they're, top six in the, in the RPI probably, right now.
1: It's a, they are. What oh, are you oh, asking for? No, or the. Big?
0: I was gonna say like in, in terms of what real time RPI had him as a five seed. I mean that would seem to be comfortably oh, okay. in.
1: Yeah, so yeah, real time RPI has them a five. I'm not really sure who they're playing. I, I didn't look, but they're a five seat at real time RPI and a seven in uh, Charlie Cream, who does the ESPN bracketology. Uh, but I mean, they're straight. The schedule is 41 overall, I think, or no, 57, and they're four and four against the top 50, ten and five against the top 100. So yeah, I mean, they actually have a better resume than the men. I know. So, uh, no, I know. So both the, both the women, men, and women have an RPI of twenty three right now. More than and so the men are twenty one and seven, or twenty two and seven, and the women are twenty two and six. The men have an RPI or a strength of schedule of forty one. Women is fifty seven. The men are five and four against the top fifty. The women are four and four. The men are ten and seven against the top one hundred. The women are ten and five. So look at yeah. I mean, you could make an argument that that flynn's somehow snuck out a better resume than Mac this year somehow.
0: That's making yeah, me so – I don't know if that in, makes yeah. me happy or – I don't know if that makes me happy or sad. I'm I'm in a glass case of emotions right now. I'm not really sure.
1: <laughs> well, from a fan perspective, it probably should make you happy because I think both will make the tournament, right? Oh, God. Man, unless, I the, hope unless, so. unless the – unless the – well, I know the women are pretty much locked in. And well, men, I guess that's it what – It just depends on – depends on how they weigh the post-Maurice Watson – Deal, which is why, again, we went back to it, we were circling back here, which is why uh, St. John's is really important, because if they win that, and then Xavier beats Marquette, which, you know, those are two likely scenarios, Mm -hmm. because Xavier's got Marquette at home, and Marquette's, you know, both those teams are, I mean, Xavier's lost five in a row, so they're going to be desperate.
0: Um, Yeah, but they said that the last four games, and that hasn't gotten them anywhere. (laughs) So,
1: man, we're desperate for this one. We're really hungry for I'm it. sure Chris I'm Max
0: potty mouth is in rare form these days.
1: <laughs> they're, just, they're just taking on L's right now. They can't, they don't have enough room. Um, yeah, but I mean, they got Marquette at home and then you know, Creighton at St. John's at home. So, if those two results go Creighton and Xavier's way, Creighton pretty much locks up the three seed, I'm pretty sure, uh, for the Big East tournament. Yeah. So, that'd be ideal, a top three finish in a league, that's what, a top three league, right, RPI-wise, yeah. and then, you know, however far they can get in the Big East tournament, plus or maybe if they can squeak out a road win at Marquette, I mean, that'll be some momentum for the postseason that I think would get them, you know, some favorable, a favorable seed maybe from the committee or a, a favorable draw, you know, depending on how they slot both things, because there's a lot of teams in the middle that can kind of beat each other, so, I don't I don't know if they're gonna underseed or overseed anybody this year like God, the tournament this year
0: is just a mess. The field is a mess, right? Yeah, I don't,
1: it's, gonna I don't be, really it's gonna be
0: really painful. Don't even fill out a bracket. I mean, ugh, yeah. It's like every team's in Ted and seed. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah, know.
1: so should we get into this uh which interview, interview should we put out first and then we'll
0: well, I mean, obviously, okay. we need to give. I mean, it's not every day that you win a, a Big East champion, a regular season championship. It's something that Mac mm-hmm. and those guys haven't done yet, and I'd be remiss if we didn't get this in here. So, I know you've had some time, um, the last couple podcasts to spend talking with with Coach Flan. If you want to set this up, uh, we'll list, we'll let our listeners take it in, and then we'll we'll bounce back and and switch gears to. Kyrie and Justin, but anything you want to share set this thing as-
1: up. Absolutely. So Flan is a was, you know, you know him as a great guy, a great coach, a great person, all that stuff. Uh this uh conference title run and the success that he's, you know, currently um dealing with as of Sunday has totally changed him. Just unbelievable arrogance. Uh <laughs> just can't, hardly can't even talk to the guy, you know, it's just like he doesn't have time for you all of a sudden, but no, I'm just kidding. Flannery he was
0: out there trying to paint the Sokol Arena <laughs> sign, the Flannery Arena, something yeah, like that. Yeah, he was okay. painting,
1: his, painting his own name on the court as I walked in to interview sure. him, so he was a little busy. No, he's always got time. He had 20 solid minutes for me this afternoon, and, um, you know, kind of breaking down what it means to win this uh, conference, you know, for the first time, I mean, in school history, it's going to go down as you know, Creighton's first tournament or Creighton's first conference title in the Big East um, in women's basketball, and, you know, he'll be the head coach and what it means to him and what it means to the team to overcome the injuries that we highlighted earlier uh, and get it done still. And then uh, we kind of preview the Big East tournament a little bit, kind of the draw they have. They have uh, they're have they obviously the two seed because DePaul had the head-to-head, so they'll be playing the winner of Butler and Xavier, uh, the 7-10 game. At noon on March fifth, so those are obviously the two teams they just got done playing. So from a, from a preparation standpoint, they're off on good footing right there because they just prepared for those two teams, and then sure. they'll have after that they'll have the winner of Georgetown Marquette, which is obviously, you know, I guess you don't really want Marquette because they're it's in Milwaukee and they're gonna be the home team, um, but. They've already beaten them twice, so who cares? They're playing. They're they're playing. They're playing teams. that are pretty much six and zero. What a 6-8-0 against. Yeah. What their first two round draws are going to be like. So, you know, from a Creighton standpoint, they won't lack for confidence. Um, and then uh, from an NCAA tournament, we kind of preview the NCAA tournament a little bit from the perspective of what it takes to kind of make a run in the women's tournament. because um, it seems like in the
0: don't go to stores, Connecticut. That's right. right. Right.
1: Doesn't, don't you think that's basically like in the men's side of things you hear, Oh, it's all about the matchups, all about your draw. Right. Well, from the women's side of things, it's like, don't be the eight, nine in stores. And then you pretty much got a chance to make a run. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like, so, so, you know, just from wh- how he thinks his style of play and his experience group stacks up against any potential, um, team that isn't named Yukon, uh, for the, you know, to, to make a run in the, in March. So it's a, it's a little long as most Flannery interviews are, but it's also informative because, you know, he has a lot of information. He's got a lot of experience. He spent a lot of years at Creighton and he doesn't mind giving us the time. So enjoy. it sounds like
0: a recipe for success on the white and blue review um, uh, perspective of things. So with that, we're going to go ahead and listen to Matt DeMarinas' interview with, women's basketball coach Jim Flannery on the Blue Jays Bites podcast brought to you by our sponsor Lawler's Custom Sportswear.
1: Back again with uh Jim Flannery head coach of the great women's basketball team he has a little bit more hardware than the last time we talked right uh no
2: ring yet no ring yet no uh, fat no fat ring <laughs> yet I might get a chain instead of a ring. Oh, okay, okay.
1: So you like to wear it on the? Yeah. yeah. Keep it under the shirt. Yeah. Like yeah. you know. Or maybe on top. Don't show it off too much. Yeah. Um, so cool. But congratulations. Thanks. I mean, yeah. I think. I mean, it's the second time you've done it with Marissa and Brian. The team or something. I it's probably not. Yeah. Long enough to wear. You'd call it a drought. You know what I mean? But it has to feel yeah. pretty good because your first Big East one. Yeah. I and mean, does it does it feel like? Um, I mean, it kind of snuck up on you because the last weekend you thought you were just chasing DePaul the whole way. Right. I mean, have you had enough time to process like the the whole process you guys went through as far as battling through injuries, getting through the league, having it come down to the last weekend, and then getting it done?
2: Um. Not. I'm a. Yeah. Because it does take me time to reflect. It's sure. not like I'm. And you're right. It was kind of you know. Once we lost twice to DePaul. Um, it's not that that goal was out of mind because you knew that there was a possibility DePaul could stumble, but you're more worried about what you. What do you need to do to to improve and win games and get to the NCAA tournament? And obviously, if it's if if a piece of or the Big East championship is available, that's fine. But you you already had your two sh- cracks at DePaul and didn't beat them. So um, you know when they lost last weekend, I think it it. Uh, he, you know, probably popped into everybody's mind. Um, we didn't talk a lot about it. I didn't want to make it. Um, you know, I've tried to. I've tried to be pretty day to day with this team. I think they're they're grounded enough and they're mature enough, and they do a lot of goal setting on their own in the locker room. So, um, as far as how I feel about it, I think it's yeah, it's 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 pretty great to to think about where we were. You know, two and a half months ago, and where we are today. I think we're just, um, and it's not. You know, that doesn't happen in one or two flashes. Or you know, it's it's about incremental improvement. It's about finding ways to win tough games and kind of figuring out who you are. And I think that's that's been really neat to watch this team kind of figure out figure out ways to win. And you know, even though on paper. You know, we played a three-win team in Xavier on Friday and a two-win Butler team on Sunday. There's still road games, and, mm-hmm. and the pressure of, like you said, the pressure of trying to win a conference, you know, not only make sure that you're in the NCAA tournament, but, but win a conference championship is it's not, you know, that's something that 20-year-olds are going to feel. And then, like I said, you throw on top of that the fact that you're on the road. And I know being on the road in women's basketball is a, isn't what it is in men's. We're not, we're not playing in front of 10,000 But you're people. also playing, like,
1: with you, you have everything to win, and right. they have nothing to lose. Like, right. the totally different mentalities that you were facing this weekend with the two teams you had to go up against.
2: Right. And, and typical <clears> to our <throat> MO, we got off to bad starts in both games, which only increased, increased the pressure. your
1: stress level, yeah.
2: You know, especially <laughs> – my stress level was probably a little higher at, at Xavier on Friday. Than I could hear you on Xavier. Yeah, on I the mean, TV. you know, we just – we gave up some easy, you know. We gave up some offensive rebounds to start the game, and it didn't, you know, a couple of careless turnovers, um, you know. But uh, part of that is, is, you know, his nerves. Mm-hmm. this team wants to win, but but you also you also want them to to be good in the effort areas early, and, and you know, our rebounding wasn't good. But anyway, uh, we didn't get off to a good start in either game, and I think that's. You know, when you're on, when you're at home, you can usually weather those things. But to be on the road and get off to poor starts, again, it's just, I think it's just a, a testament to how this team kind of believes in each other and figures out a way to, to to get going. And and also typical of this team, it's like you know, it's different people every night in terms of point production. You know, and but but a lot of people contributing in other ways. But uh, it was kind of that way this weekend again. I. Uh-
1: I don't. Did you mention it at all before like, the game um, against Butler? What they were playing for? Did you tell
2: them? Did you kind of like kind of calm them down? Because you're a philosophy major, so yeah. You, <laughs> you know, you, I just no. The only thing I said is is one team, one game. That's okay. I wrote that on the board. One team, one game. Just with simple. I didn't want to. I didn't think it was necessarily time for the rah rah because I felt like they're they were they've sensed the pressure enough and. You know, sometimes in, a, in, a, in an earlier game, earlier game in the day, I, I think it, it's different too. When you're playing a, a one o'clock Eastern, which is kind of noonish to their bodies, um, game, you know, you're <clears throat> you're kind of trusting that they got themselves ready during the morning. And,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, so it's I, I don't know. I always think it's different when you're playing a night game and you've kind of had all day to to kind of sit on your nerves and. You know, let them build. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when you play early, sometimes I think that's good because you don't have time to get nervous all day in a hotel room. Um, but uh, no, so I, I just said one team, one game, um, and uh, you know, I was interested to kind of hear what Marissa said after the game. I thought she had some good, good, uh, you know, good takes on how how ready she was, and uh, it clearly it showed in her performance.
1: She's, I don't think she's ever looked more ready for a game. I mean, how? Yeah. what did you see out of her before? I mean, did it look different? Because, I mean, yeah. she's done some incredible things in her career, but um, they're more accumulative. You know, she's played a lot of games, played a lot of minutes. She's done a lot of great things. But as far as, like, playing for a championship and doing it, like, there wasn't any of that, like, uh, you know, what we saw against Carly against Missouri State, like a a game right. and win a ring, you know what I mean? But yeah. against Butler, she looked possessed. I mean, yeah. driving to the rim at will, you yeah. know, she had confidence in her three-point shot. She took eight of them, hit yeah. three. I mean, she looked like old Marissa, like, yeah. not old Marissa, right. older <laughs> Marissa, right, you know? Right.
2: Did she look different before the game? Or did, um, I don't think she looked different before the game, but I thought early she did. You know, even though, again, we got off to a good start, I thought she was the one kid that was kind of attacking um, early and I, you know, so believe it or not, I complimented her in one of the timeouts. I said we got, you know, we got to have other people bend their knees and 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 make plays off the dribble like Marissa is. And uh, you know, I said I like your patience on ball screens and I like, but 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 that you're still attacking. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think uh, yeah, I like what she did going to the rim too. And like you said, she I thought she took one bad three, but it went in. Okay. I mean, it was one where we were up maybe twelve ish. Uh, I, I can't remember And right? she yeah. made it yeah she made it you know, I was yelling reverse the ball reverse the ball and she jacked it up with like 20 to go on the, on the shot clock and it went in and sometimes, you <laughs> sometimes you gotta shoot your shot point. you know but I just yeah. I thought I thought she really attacked uh, you know teams are playing it's interesting teams are playing her left hand sometimes or she, and she can go right pretty well and then she's better and, going right. yeah and, then, and she's finishing well going to her right hand and um, you know, and Butler kind of tried to body up to her, and then they hugged our they hugged our shooters. Like they, if you look at the the numbers for the game, we only had nine assists on twenty three turnovers. So they played they played us a little like DePaul played, plays us. They don't they didn't help off the dribble as much. They didn't create punch, you know, drive and kick opportunities. They kind of just said, okay, you are gonna have to beat us one on one off the dribble, and mm-hmm. and she did. She kept her dribble. She was strong with it, um, and. And got to the, you know, got to the free throw line and, and finished some tough plays. So, um, you know, I think I think the other thing that was, we, we had some kids kind of defer to her because they saw how, how, uh, you know, how well she was attacking and how successful she was. I thought Sid kind of deferred to her a little, you know, and, and we needed Sid probably to make a few, make a few more tough dribble plays. But at the same time, Marissa was having success, so. That's one, one time where I think we, we did a good job of just kind of throwing it to her and, and letting her go, especially mid to late chalk Now
1: You guys uh, get to just focus on the big, the big East tournament here because, I mean, this is probably different for you. You know you're – I mean, you have a pretty solid idea you're in this with tournament, barring something, you know, some miraculous snub. You think you've done enough resume-wise um, to not be stressed out on Selection Monday. How do you go into a conference tournament like that? That's not something you guys have done before, where you've gone in. Because even when you won right. a share of the title in 2012 13, Selection Monday was probably the most stressful day of all of your lives, You're not yeah. watching that. Um, yeah. I mean, how do you reset the mentality? And say, all right, let's go play three games for a championship, but, you know.
2: Right. But we have time. we have a pretty good consolation prize even if exactly even if we don't get it done yeah um, so yeah it is different I, I, I'm not gonna lie I like I like not feeling the stress I think it's for a couple that you know what I told him after after the game and you know on the, before we got on the plane and all that is just you know take a couple of day, days to celebrate in, in sport basketball whatever it is you everything's about the future let's. Let's improve. Let's get ready. Let's prepare. Let's, you know, let's win and move on. And I think sometimes you forget to celebrate the the good stuff. And then I think the other part is you you always you have this tendency to make it all about the NCAA tournament and not, you know, just kind of gloss over the regular season. And you you kind of don't trumpet the 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 regular season championship as mm-hmm. as, as much as you do the the NCAA tournament and it's like, well, gosh, if you play 30, 32 games in the regular season (laughs) you know, and you only get to play one or two or three or four in the postseason, why would you put that much, you know, why would you not value and celebrate those first 30 games? And so we're going to take a couple days and celebrate and then we'll um, get back to work. But to your point, yeah, I think it's, let's get away for a couple days and then then we'll get back to work, and mm-hmm. just you know, the the, the first the, the nice thing about the first game is we're going to play somebody we just played right. Xavier Butler, <laughs> so there's they'll have to they'll you know they'll be making subtle adjustments either one whoever we play, and we'll probably make some subtle adjustments because we had you know we had areas where we were deficient, um, so and then I think once you get one game in, if you can get that first game, then it then you know. Your kicks in. Yeah, your yeah. adrenaline kicks in and it's you you've seen the other team play live the day before and and, and you're in you are in a tournament and your your kids are you know, your fan base is there and you have got send offs mm-hmm. you know, from the hotel and it just you know, if you can't get excited and to to play in under those conditions then, then Ought to be doing something else sure I mean
1: and when you look at this the tournament I mean just from your side of the bracket perspective um, you're gonna have a team that like you said that he just played this weekend and then you're gonna get a Marquette Georgetown team who athletically probably on paper look like they're bad matchups for you but I mean you slept both of them this year probably played your two best games of the year at Georgetown at Marquette yeah. Um, I guess, how do you like your side of the bracket, the things that, I mean, your path to sure. that final game, I guess?
2: Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I always, you know, think in the line, be careful what you wish for. Cause, sure. Yeah. We, <laughs> we did just beat these, you know, we did just beat Butler and Xavier, and we did sweep uh, Georgetown and Marquette. But, you know, we easily could have lost to both Georgetown and Marquette at home. We right. We were very fortunate to win both those games. and and to your point, both of those teams are more athletic than us, um, so they'll they'll be challenging. That'll be a challenging game if we're able to get through Sunday. Uh, I like the bracket from the standpoint that we get to play a noon game on Sunday. I like playing the early game. Oh, I, think do you. You, I think it gives you I think gives you the most rest. Um, you know, if you think in in the 7:10 game is at four o'clock the day before, so that team is getting off of court at six, and they're going to have to be back in the arena before eleven AM the next day. Mm-hmm. I mean by the time they eat and <laughs> stretching, you know, get out of the arena and, and get back to the hotel. I mean, think about how little how little time they have to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. And then then, you know, if you win you don't play t- you play later in the day the next day, you play at, at three, so you get you know, and then if you win you're you're at eight o'clock. So it's you're pl- you know, it, it is the most rest time. Great. Um, and, and the familiarity of the of the scout. I mean, you know, on paper, it's Xavier, Xavier, Seton Hall, Providence, Butler. I mean, they all are teams that can compete. They didn't, you know, none of them won a lot of games. But it's not like they didn't show that they could compete with the top teams in the league yeah. on occasion. So it's not then um, probably, you know, the other thing is we're not on DePaul's side of the bracket, which right. is you know that was that was a big thing last year because last year we got smoked both times by DePaul. So yeah. just not not being in the eight nine game, having to play them in the second round was was kind of joyous. <laughs> and then this year, you know, we've 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 struggled with them. So um, you know, and then the, the other thing I think is that we'll if we if were fortunate enough to win and play Marquette in the second round, I would assume all the DePaul fans be cheering for us because they've lost twice to Marquette and they've exactly. beaten us twice. So. <laughs> we'll get all the Chicago people cheering for us on uh, Monday if we can win on Sunday. Exactly. Uh, you, it's funny you had that last year too and then they didn't yeah. take care
1: of their part of the job. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to get your take on the NCAA tournament real quick as far you know, just from a preview perspective before we get into specifics because the next time we probably talk about it you'll probably know who you're playing and things like that. Yeah. But um, when you're going into that, and when you're thinking, how do we make a run in it? You know, win a couple of games, do something we've never done before, type of thing. You know, on the men's side of the things, they say it's just all about matchups. Right. What is what is the key on the women's side? Is it the same philosophy? I mean, it seems like the philosophy on the women's side is avoid an eight, nine game so you don't end up playing in one seed next. Right. I mean,
4: right.
1: what's the what's the key to kind of making making some noise in the women's NCAA tournament? From your sure experience
2: I, you know I, I don't know i mean i'm i i think matchups are i don't know really what that means i think it's sometimes if <laughs> well they're too big or they're too quick or whatever but mm-hmm. you know you just said that you know Georgetown and Marquette are more athletic than us and they are mm-hmm. um and but you're out. Yeah. but we can beat them and you know i think it's like it's easy to think well depaul's just a bad matchup for us well we you know I also feel like we were better second time against them than first time because we can show we have cerebral kids. We can show them stuff on film from the first game and say, "Look, we got to clean this up. We got to be better here. We, you know, we're not we're not competing in this area at the level that we need to." And and I think that's I think that's it. I mean, I you know, to be honest, I'd rather play. You know, I'd rather I'd rather play the power conference team that maybe um, isn't as it doesn't have to be as, as sharp sometimes, game to game, as, mm-hmm. as somebody whose league isn't maybe quite as good and has to, you know, can't afford ever to slip up. I think there's um, – but, you know, I like, the, I, I like the fact that we're we're a different team. We're, we're you know, we were talking – my assistant coach Chevy and I were talking the other day about, like, you know, how – in, in tournament play, maybe Villanova would be a hard matchup if, if they were to get in because they're they're just different. And I think mm-hmm. we're different too. We play we play a motion that isn't we don't play a cookie cutter offense that, mm-hmm. that teams have seen, you know on eighty percent of the occasion, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's I think that can be helpful. I think it it's, it's helpful that we that we shoot it well enough to play against both man and zone. I mean, I think, you know, that we're not necessarily we're we're a good enough ball handling team that we're not going to be easily rattled by a team that maybe presses. But, you know, to to your point, like, about, you know, when we played Syracuse a few years ago, you know, it's a zone team and, you know, to – you don't know who you're going to play until, like you said, that Monday. And if you've only got, you know, three days to prepare for a zone, A good, a really good zone, a team that Well, you better, you better be, you better not have (laughs) been a a bad zone team all year. But I feel like we're balanced. You know, we're, you know, the issue that we're we're gonna, the the issue that we're gonna have probably is just is super size. You know, just the size that we can't, that we're gonna have to give help from, Mm -hmm. um, and then and then how to do it, And, and then then that's a percentages game. You're gonna have to find kids that you can leave. Mm-hmm. And then maybe just the the you know the ultra quick ball handler that can that can hurt you in pick and rolls and how do you how do you you know a Kel, you know Kelsey Mitchell or Kelsey Plum or somebody that, that's just you know off the charts talented that way. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but I guess Kelsey Plum I'd advise guarding everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: don't think you're stopping her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh you know, I, like I said, I like I like the fact that we're a cerebral team because you don't have a lot of time, and yeah. and but but you can make a huge difference in the outcome of game in in those three days that you have, and then if you if you win, you've only got one day. But what you know, what four or five things can you can you get into the minds of your kids to, to make a difference in that right. in that one day, and and I think we and we have the. You know, we have the ability to play small, take a five off the four, but we are, you know, but we're deep at the five. You know, we don't have the, the six four kid, but we, we're deep enough at the five too, I think, so. Um, I don't know. I mean, I like, I like and like I said, we have multiple ball handlers. We can play Marissa at the point guard. We can play Sydney at the point guard. So I think we we have the versatility to be successful mm-hmm. on the first weekend, I believe.
1: It's funny you talk about that because I, I always thought, that Syracuse's coach was one of the most stubborn people I've ever seen, <laughs> and he dresses weird too. We I mean, <laughs> made a Final Four last year, but when they played you guys,
2: yeah.
1: you know, they asked him before leading up, they're like, what are you going to do against a team that shoots the three so well? I'm like, we're going to play a 2-3 zone and yeah. we're going to do what we do. <laughs> And then Mackenzie goes off, and it's like, right. and then they ask him at halftime again, are you going to switch out of the zone at all, or are you going to stay with it? Like, no, we're going to stay with it. It's like, okay, bud. Yeah. See you in wow. Syracuse. Um, <laughs> that was the rest of history. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for sitting down. I always really appreciate these chats. I know you're a busy man yeah. now that you've got the hardware, <laughs> but uh, thanks for making time. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Matt.
0: Great stuff from Flan, as always, Matt. Really appreciate the time you are able to spend with him. I know, like you said... He's letting this all get to his head, but um, with with good cause, good reason, because, you know, regular season championships don't come around uh, all that often to teams. So yeah. it's amazing. The, man,
1: the, the man's hanging banners, man. So. Got to hang some banners, baby.
0: They look good in Sokol Arena, too, don't they, the way they got that laid out with the banners. I mean, it's extremely – Noticeable, yeah. those companies. They're running out. So.
1: They're running out of room, so they need to build a bigger arena or smaller banners. And I don't know which. But
0: the the coach Kirsten Berntahl booth on a rare wing of banners.
1: Yeah, they're man. They're gonna have to fight over how to like. I told the facilities guys. I was like, you know, you, you're having trouble here because who are you gonna name this court after? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, you could just name the volleyball court itself because it's made out of different material. You know, they they haul it on top. Sure. And they just name the volleyball court itself. The pieces out of, you know, Coach Booth court, Coach, you know, and then make sure they just spell it right when they put the pieces together Mm -hmm. for every volleyball match. And then below it can be Jim Flannery court, so. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. They're both – they both have exactly 291 wins at Creighton. Isn't that crazy?
0: Yeah. Speaking of crazy, let's talk about these boys from Omaha, these two boys from Omaha, Kyrie, Thomas, Justin Patton. I know we'll get into – uh, senior night here a little bit from an X's and O standpoint. Um, but again, just, uh, for people that are interested, we have an amazing interview, 16 minute interview coming up, Matt, you were able to speak with Justin and Kyrie, best friends talking about just their time th- together this season and last and, and setting the stage, um, you know, for kind of the home stretch here. What's, you know, you've watched those guys a lot the last couple of years together, um, just how like real is the thing that those guys got going on?
1: Man, it's so it's like different than any. I mean, I guess I'm trying to think of any athletes that are like currently at Creighton that can com- compare to it. I mean, I guess maybe Jaylee Winters and Megan Ballinger, since they're both from the same town and you know they both play for uh Creighton volleyball. But I mean, they just like you know they they constantly are talking to each other, chatting with each other, like giving each other a hard time. Um, when, when one does good, the other one brings them right back down to earth by saying <laughs> do it better. Or <laughs> it wasn't that great or something like that, you know, as the end of the interview
0: will mention very clearly.
1: <laughs> right, Several times you'll see during the interview, you see one brings the other back down to earth when it's time. Um, they never missed the chance to do that. Uh, yeah, it's just fun watching. Like, their energy is, like, infectious because they're so – it looks like they really are enjoying having, like, the whole – like, I guess from a pers- from the perspective of playing in Omaha and doing well and, you know, being the guys that are playing for the the premier team in Division One basketball and, you know, doing it in front of the hometown, there's probably a lot of pressure. But it doesn't feel like they let that bother them so much. It feels like they just go with the flow. They kind of just do their thing. They embrace all the positive attention, and, you know, they're never turning down autographs or pictures or things like that, Um, and they're just having a lot of fun with it. So, you know, it's kind of cool to see them kind of play off each other because that's really what it's all about at the end of the day, you know? I mean, wins and losses, you know, it's part of history, and it gets remembered more, but I feel like the stories that'll, like, affect you more in the long run are seeing... You know, kind of the way they got to enjoy their careers together. Um, From unlikely, like, late bloomer type of kids, you know what I mean? Like, Justin was a late bloomer in high school, and Kyrie was kind of under the radar when he went out to uh, the prep school in Virginia, right? And then, you know, all of a sudden they come to Creighton, and Kyrie has a really good non-conference, and then he kind of, you know, goes through struggles a little bit in Big East play last year and then really comes on this year to be what I believe –
0: we believe. We, we believe. believe
1: in what all should believe that is the best defensive player in the conference. Um, bar none, not even close. Uh, and then for Justin to be, you know, go through his redshirt year and then come out this year and be, you know, a lottery pick by a lot of NBA draft uh, projections and things like that just in his first year. As a redshirt freshman, you don't see redshirt. Like, you don't see freshmen come out as like one and dunners and turn themselves into lottery picks, but I feel like redshirt freshman, that's a little bit unusual, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, for sure. So just, you know, the unlikelihood of all they've done so far and how quickly the trajectory of their college basketball careers went, like, I mean, if it's not straight up, it's pretty close. And you don't see that very often. Usually there's some gradual, there's some gradual rising, but like they just shot straight up into impact players at a high level level for what was a nationally ranked and well-regarded team most of the season. So, you know, and then just to handle all that pressure with a smile on their face most of the time is pretty impressive, I think.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, And and I want to touch on something that you mentioned there. Uh, Kyrie obviously did not have the big East conference season as a true freshman that he wanted. And that looked like might be on the, on the deck, um, During his non-conference, you know, Justin Patton really struggled Saturday against Villanova. And you and I chatting after the game, you know, toward the end of the game about him just looking tired. Um, Mm -hmm. Were you able to touch base with him about that or talk to any of the coaches about kind of where that wall might be for him and how to push through that wall? Because obviously they're not doing anything of substance without Justin being – um in the right mind in the right physical uh shape here down the stretch but how 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 much do i as an overreactor need to overreact to what <laughs> i saw
1: okay well i cuz it's not really like talking. the jays
0: have been playing more games than anybody else in college basketball and there's a ton of other teams out there with freshmen that are still doing work but what do i need to set my I'm expectations not really sure. I'm
1: not really sh- yeah i don't i'm trying to think of how to like talk you down here but i'm not really sure i i think i can or should because sure he he is hitting a wall I and mean, it's just it's pretty pretty plain to see i mean and while i didn't ask him specifically about it i do know it is a concern of those around him that are trying to um, figure out how to get his you know, his switch turned back on a little bit so he can have enough energy to perform out there. So it is a concern. Um, you know, he did he go he went out in that Villanova game and just didn't really you know, he comes back in the first time out and just, you know, tells the staff he doesn't have it for some reason. He's trying to figure out, you know, he's asking Ben for, you know, some kind of pick me up and things like that and it's just not there. So yeah, he's definitely dealing with some of that. Um I think he you know, he's trying to do some things to kinda of recharge his batteries a little bit. Um, He did some stuff that maybe was different from his schedule this week too in regards to that, that, you know, we'll see if they work or not. But, yeah, he's definitely dealing with some fatigue right now at this point in the season because he's playing a, you know, he's he's dealing with a workload that he hasn't dealt with before in his basketball playing career. And it's kind of starting to wear on him a little bit as we get into the dog days of the season. The, I mean, really, all you can do is kind of hope that he finds a second, second wind, his second year, you know, enough energy to finish out the season strong. Because um, if it is going to be his last season or his only season playing in college basketball, you want him to finish it certainly in a way that this team, you know, still has enough talent to make a run in the NCAA tournament. So, but like you said, it's all it's it's dependent on him being him. So. If he's not, that's unlikely. So I mean, we'll see. I guess it's the best I can give you. I, he definitely is hitting a wall, though. so Whether he break through it or not it remains to be seen. Um, you did not. You did not do your job
0: during that. Yeah, and I, and
1: I know. I kind of made that worse. Didn't I,
0: I think you're. I think you're hitting the wall because I was expecting you to just talk to me about how. He was gonna break through that, and you just let me down. So yeah, maybe I am. I, I mean, I'm not mad at Matt. It's been a long I'm just season. Disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, no, and I think you know that's you talk about a guy that's gonna be honored Tuesday night in Zach Hansen, and man, what it's been like for him to be able to fight back from that injury a month ahead of time, and now. He's rounding into, I mean, I thought he played pretty well against Villanova, and he's Absolutely. played pretty well this last couple of weeks, and just finding that groove. I know there's been some little bunnies here and there, but his catches on the inside have been solid. I mean, that was a <laughs> lot of Justin's patent against Villano- Justin's problem against Villanova. Uh, he was pretty soft at the Rock, and six turnovers, a lot of those when he got doubled or when it looked like the double was coming, just not able to, to make a quick decision with the basketball. Zach, on the other hand, seems pretty comfortable right now with what he's doing when he gets the ball. And
1: you not never... really putting this interview up very well by just like going to town on, you're going hard to paint on Justin. No yeah. one's going to want to do it.
0: I'm just, I'm, we're breaking through the wall this way, man. We're just going oh, okay. tough. Love it. Apparently Sunday. We'll just follow up the, this, the Sunday practice was tough. Love podcast.
1: Yeah. Tough. love Exactly.
0: Uh, no, but I think that's good. I think, you know, when, Zach was out, and when Justin wasn't performing um, you know up to his abilities, I think you saw the coaching staff have to get real creative with what they were doing with Toby and uh who's obviously dealing with some ankle injury as well, but um and then martin a little bit, but yeah, Zach, I mean this is old half for him, he's played in the big East tournament before, and he's. Uh, he's a big part of what the, hopefully they'll be able to do here the next couple of weeks, but um, you know, just really hope for Justin's sake, it's going to be a big showcase for him when they head out to New York, I mean, obviously they played St. John's but that was up at Carneseca, and you know, now you're going to the Mecca, and that's going to be a big deal, and you think there's been some scouts at some games so far, I mean, that place is going to be lousy with What is, them.
1: What is St. John's' deal with Carneseca? Like, I feel like they, they played two games at Carneseca this year, or I guess I mean, they played Butler there, didn't they? Yeah. I'm thinking about it. But like it feels like all the other games were in, at MSG. Like Marquette was at MSG. Georgetown, for crying out loud, was at MSG. Like why wasn't Creighton at MSG? Like why know. did Cre- why did Creighton get DePaul? Like get the DePaul treatment?
0: I don't know. Do you think that they, they did it that way, or do you think they they wanted to have a a more boisterous crowd, smaller confines to play the Jays? I I never get it. Like I don't know. I don't know. Um, the Georgetown Creighton
1: thing. A second though. So that's I'm about, that's enough of that. What'd you say? Actually, that's two years in a row that Creighton's played at Carnoseca, though. So.
0: Beat them. I know. In St. John's. Yeah,
1: they played at MSG the first two years. so Yeah,
0: and St. John's beat Creighton at both. MSG both years, right?
1: They're 2 and 0 at MSG and 0 and 2 at Carnoseca against Creighton.
0: Keep scheduling it at Carnoseca then.
1: So you're pro Carnoseca then? You don't want MSG? I'm
3: pro
0: J's wins, baby. Don't care. <laughs> pro, could, I'm pro They w. could play at Rucker Park for all I care.
1: Rucker Park would be sweet. I'd Definitely. take that over to Carneseca.
0: Yeah, Rucker Park in January would not be sweet.
1: Although Shamari might go off at Rucker Park, <laughs> right? I bring, like, bring up. Let's not
0: give Shamari Pons any ideas cuz he's going to drop 30 tomorrow night. So So I
1: have a bet with uh, let me I got a bet with like one of the managers that he doesn't score 28 in two games against Creighton this year. I'm trying to think how many points I have left. Where did he score the first time? Did he only have
0: Did he only have like 9? I'm gonna look oh, that'd
1: that'd be amazing if he only had nine. I, I'm think, to... I feel like he didn't play that great. Let's um, see, Shamari pawns. He had seventeen Oops. Well, so right. he had seven. He had seventeen. So I need to hold him to eleven or less tomorrow to have a good to win the bet.
0: So Shamari went for seventeen, and Marcus Levett went for twenty-three, and the James yeah. won eighty-five, seventy-two. Yeah,
3: yeah. Cause...
0: That's not great. Maurice Watson Jr. in that game, 19 points, 5 assists, 3 turnovers, 2 steals, 3 of 4 from the 3-point line, including a couple of just daggers um, in the second part of the second half. I mean, obviously, that was Justin's breakout game, 11 for 14 from the field, hit Mm -hmm. a 3, a couple free throws, 25 points, 9 boards, fouled out, but that's fine. Uh, I think
1: Creighton was up by like 25 in that game at one point. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, largest it, lead twenty four at the eighteen thirty two mark of the second half. Yeah, 15, I think it got down to like five or six, didn't it?
1: Did it really? Let me see.
3: We had oh, nine. You know,
0: what did we do without the internet?
1: <laughs> Just let it run the show.
0: There would be no show.
1: Internet, uh, yeah, but I feel like they got it to nine. Let me see. No. All right. 75, 63. I don't think they had a single digits at all.
0: Oh, okay. Well, it felt like it because I overreact. Oh, so. they
1: got up to 10. Okay. 10, points. 10. 10
0: against St. John's when you've been up by 24 feels like 4.
1: Yeah, I mean, it had to feel like. That makes sense. I mean, so it was 50 to 26, and I'm just seeing here it was 8. So they, so St. John's went on a 29 to 13 run.
0: Outscored the Jays by 5 in the second half so yeah not a walkover for sure um i know Mothered. that i think it's like a t- double digit what 10 11 point spread right now providence was nine
1: though we saw how that worked out um, <laughs> oh you're so full of positivity i try baby but i mean say is gonna roll out here and they're gonna play like i was trying to i was breaking it down today they pretty much have like four guys who can score the heck out of the basketball Two guys who can swat the crap out of the basketball, and that's pretty much what they have on the floor at all times. Pretty much, they have a couple of guys who can score and a couple guys who can block, and no one else who can do anything else. So, sure, they got some. If good you can dudes, find a way to beat that.
0: They got some dudes with some sweet names. So always,
1: they're like a Saint John's is always like the all name team. I know. Um
0: Yeah, the aforementioned Marcus Levett went for twenty three against the Jays, four threes in that game earlier in the win for the Blue Jays out at Carnesecca Arena. Shamari Pons, much has been made of um, how enamored the coaching staff was with him and how uh, they really wanted him to be a Blue Jay. Mm -hmm. He's stuck uh, near home and is having a tremendous first season for Chris Mullen in the uh, Red Storm. But, um, yeah, I mean, you talk about guards and guard combos that can cause some problems for the defense, and right now our – Lead guard defense is a bit spotty. I mean, I don't know who's who's got who's Kyrie checking. Everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, he can't guard all of those the, guys at the same time.
1: All of the above. If they're in a ball screen, he can. Okay. That's a wingspan right there. You just hold them both together.
0: That sounds good. I don't know what a yeah, wingspan he's... is. <laughs> Trust me.
1: Uh, I'm super smart against the first dibs. Um, and I'm guessing whoever the – I would say Foster probably gets LeVette and um, Thomas gets Pons. I wouldn't be surprised to see some lineup juggling, some query, some little weird little lineups. I'm not going to boil everything for Jays fans, but, you know. I, Somebody's I been be at surprised.
0: practice, have they?
1: I, I mean, it's not like everything you see at practice happens in games. Let me just say that first. But, I mean, there was some tinkering going on, so. Okay. There might be some interesting lineups out there that – um, may not look so traditional, but from a, you know something they'll try to see if it works or not because Tyler at, th- at, th- at this point, what is at this point they know kind of what is and isn't working from what they've been trying, so maybe try one more or two more things before you're playing survivor, go end your season and think about what you did wrong games type of deal. So if we can get they've got, they've got some time to figure it out still.
0: If we can get a Isaiah Zierden Tyler Clement, Davion Mintz, uh three guard lineup sometime tomorrow night, <laughs> uh, I will retire from all of this.
1: If if,
0: if Mac just trolled Mac if that just one, trolled Twitter so hard what that if he I put those guys at that? the same time.
1: How would you how would you think of me if I were if that was what I was like alluding to you right there. If I was like, yeah, I told I think Tyler might actually take Kyrie spot in the starting lineup. Z sure. will take Fosters and Davion will start. I think that's... So everybody, will, everybody gets what they want, and Davion starting at point guard. But at the at the risk at the it's, it comes at the sacrifice of Kyrie and Marcus's starting lineup spot. I don't know. That'd be a waking nightmare for most. Yeah. 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 for Sure. Um... So, uh, yeah. So what happens first tomorrow night prediction time? What happens first? Shamari Pond scores his twentieth point before or. Chris Mullen gets his first technical foul, uh, Which happens first?
0: I'll say Shamari. I think so? Yeah, I think Mullen he's got he's got something to stick around for this year. Man, that team was bad last year. Yeah. And it's not like that was the only time that the professional basketball hall of famers had an issue standing on the staying on the bench, but um <laughs>
1: It's It's the first time I've ever seen someone string together a sentence of all curse words. When he got tossed out, that there was, was amazing, no, dude.
0: Because that happened right in front just, of us. Yeah, and he was he was more upset than guys in our section have been at most of the games the last couple of years, and that's he, saying something because we are not polite, no people when we're yeah. So he,
1: when he was getting when he was getting restrained and tossed out, like it was right in front of. Uh, me and Piv, and he was just like there was nothing else but curse words it was like mother F this son of a this you this like it was there was no sentence structure other than flat out cursing and berating of an official with like rude comments and it was like it was the easiest toss in the history of the game like he just did not want to be a part of that at all like you could just it was like okay you're just cursing at this man that's going to toss you out of the game must be what you want you know I don't. You're watch not even it. making. An, you're not even arguing a call. You're just cursing at the man. So he's gonna throw you out of the game. And there he goes. And
0: like getting a technical here and there is totally a thing. Like yeah. Tim Miles does it almost every time he comes to town. Like we said, Cooley's snagged one before here. Jay Wright snagged one I think in town. Um, you know, I I don't watch a ton of other games from start to finish, but like. Something about the Jays just brings it out in other coaches because I think about some of the fits that Coach Greg Marshall threw. Um, and he's just crazy anyway. You know, seeing the fit that he threw to get thrown out of the Valley Tournament uh, his first or second year at Wichita State was – I felt – I was embarrassed for that for him in that program. It was just a mess. And, you know, it was one of those nights where uh, this, the Scott Trade Center just wasn't even close to being full you know, like every single night that's going to be on TV the rest of this week, and there was just nothing, you know, everybody could hear every single word down that building. It was just nasty, and um, <laughs> that's what that reminded me of. It was just, it was so out of left field Yeah. that night, so hopefully it doesn't rear its ugly head again, and hopefully Shamari doesn't score a ton, so maybe it's a win-win. Right. One will stay on the bench and not coach well, and you know Shamari won't score a bunch, but I think Shamari's going to be fine against the Jays um you know just spend nice. a little time watching him against Georgetown he's got all the moves man that guy can just get it so, I
1: don't know how he gets most of his shots to go like it's crazy
0: I know he's like a little magician so we had one <laughs> of those for a while
1: but know yeah, he can be one and done I'd be cool with that it'd be yeah, all
3: right
0: I'd be fine he can... Um, yeah. So speaking of one and duns, uh, Justin might be Kyrie won't be, but, um, either way, you've, you've talked a little bit about that, about that in this interview. Um, I thought it was a good way to address the topic without flat out doing what you then interview him about, which is, you know, both him and Kyrie, how are you guys handling when all these folks come up to Justin asking him if he's going to go pro and what his plans are. And Kyrie even talks about his his family not being in the mix because Kyrie's told telling him to stop asking him because they'll find out when they need to find out. But um, any other nuggets from this interview before we let people listen? Because it really is a, a great testament to these guys um, and all the hard work they put in and what, what they go through on a day-in and day-out basis.
1: Yeah, I thought it was pretty fascinating the way they handled Like, I don't know. I don't know what I was looking for when I asked the question the way I did. I kind of just wanted to see... I know I didn't want to flat out ask Justin if he was like going or staying type of deal. Like I didn't want to put that on him. So I kind of just wanted to figure out a way to kind of get them to talk about each other, um, you know, like in the way where in regards to what they're both known for this year. So like Justin talking about Kyrie's defense and Kyrie talking about Justin's um, notoriety type of deal. And I thought it was a pretty interesting perspective to get how Kyrie sees Justin's rise through you know through his eyes and how Justin handles it because he's with him every day and then for Justin to talk about what it's like to play with a guy on the floor who can take the top 2 or 3 scoring options on every single given night in league play and pretty much lock him up and and then what it's like when he doesn't lock him up or when he lets him score so it's pretty funny um but yeah, it's, it's Justin and Kyrie, as you'd expect them, you know, loose, having fun with things, and but also pretty insightful and interesting to get their perspective on this whole entire season, how it's gone from how they deal with the distractions of, you know, obviously what they're dealing with currently with uh, Maurice and then um, how they've dealt with their own successes. All right.
0: So with that, we're going to go ahead and just tee up this interview. This is Matt Marina speaking with Justin Patton and Kyrie Thomas on the Blue Jays Bites podcast, sponsored by Lawler's Custom Sportswear.
1: So sitting here after uh, another practice with Justin Patton and Kyrie Thomas, today was a little looser than yesterday. You guys probably can't repeat what was said yesterday, though, right? For children. That's right. Yeah. I guess just take me through, you know, the kind of the mindset of the group right now. I mean, obviously drop some games here a little bit but you know it's not like you probably see some good some bad what are you guys where are you guys mentally right now
4: uh, mentally I think we're all uh, we all want to win the next two games they're two uh, huge games we all are trying to place in third mm-hmm. so I think our uh, mentality right now is pretty good um, we're all holding each other to a high standard and uh, we're trying to get that third place and we all kind of focused in the last two games, especially for our seniors. I know they're super focused about it, and uh, I think that's kind of where we're all at.
1: Do you notice, do you guys know where you are standing-wise? I mean, I know it's really jumbled, but do you have a pretty good idea of what you guys need to do to be, I guess, in a good position in the final standings, or do you not really worry about that? Do you kind of just worry about what's next? Uh, I, I think we got a good idea, yeah. and the coaches are uh, is like.
5: Unofficially, and us, like we're tied third, but like there are people who are like fifth. Or if we lose the last two games, we can be in eighth place or something like that. So it's just we know in the back of our heads that if we want to get to where we got to be, we got to win these next two games and we can't drop them. So we'll be in a good position if we just do our job in the next
1: two. Sure. What have you guys like learned about yourselves from a makeup standpoint? You know, I guess how you handle. You know, tough times. Things are just like thrown at you that not necessarily are out of your control. I mean, you guys have dealt with some off the court adversity. You guys have dealt with on the court struggles. I mean, how are you handling the whole deal right now, as far as everything kind of coming together at once and still being able to focus on academics, getting to practice, being focused, you know, as much as you possibly can be. I
5: think the family aspect of everything has been like enforced the most. Like we've all depended on each other in these times, and this year as a, as a whole, like we've all have came closer and everything has made us a family. Like, and I'm proud to say, like, everyone on the team and the coaches and, like, even you guys, like,
4: we're all just one big family. We can just sort out our problems within ourselves. Yeah, it kind of hit it right on the nail. Uh, we kind of, you know, we all joke around a lot, goof around, and uh, we know when to take things serious on and off the court. Uh, I mean, we had a couple of team meetings, just teams, no coaches. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, we talked about uh, our goals for the, you know, the entire year on and off the court, uh, everybody getting to class, or everybody focusing on practice, doing every little detail that they need uh, to do. And then uh, everybody kind of really mature, you know, everybody's already mature, I should say, mm-hmm. and uh, know how to handle things. Yeah, we can be goofy, but everybody, we don't want to be serious
1: This is This is for both of you, because I feel like it's important for college athletes, especially. And I mean, I'm sure you're seeing a lot of this now, but, I mean, things just happen so fast to the point where it might be hard to enjoy the moment because it flies by so quickly. Have you guys, regardless of how this season ends, regardless of what it turns out to be, whether you accomplish all your goals or not, have you guys been able to enjoy this year and what you guys have done, you know, on and off the court, all the attention, the wins, the
4: the good moments? I I think I have. I mean, this is... I wouldn't say it's first, you know, first actually time playing, but for me, I kind of really enjoyed it last year. As I struggled through Biggie's place, uh, I really wasn't enjoying that. But then I had to just, you know, sit back and realize like it's not gonna you know, all just happen at once, and it takes time. But other than that, I'm really enjoying it. I can't speak for so, you. Yeah, I'm really, you know, I'm enjoying it. I'm not regretting it. I'm taking.
5: Yeah, it's, it's been fun. Like as Ted said last year he struggled and it was hard to watch him struggle on the court and not be able to help. So this year I've been able to like being the shoulder he can lean on or like just joke around with them on the court and practice and stuff and you knowing that we can we can go through those struggles together and just had a team aspect, like we've all just like standing a moment and just like realizing that this is not gonna be here forever and just having fun and that's been a big thing, you know me, I'm always like a funny guy. Just keep everybody's day bright and just realize that at the end of the day, we're just all here to play basketball and have
1: fun. I mean, for you, going back to this point last year, has it has it turned out the way you thought it would? As far as when you thought you're developing, you know, you know why you're redshirting because you need to get bigger, stronger, make some improvements. And then when you kind of mapped out what you want next year to look like at this point, mm-hmm. how you want to position yourselves as a team, has this gone for you how you would expect or has it exceeded it? Or do you still think there's more left? Or I guess how do you see um, – if you were to put a grade on the whole thing, team wise, what would you say it's gone as far as how you expected it?
5: I would say it succeeded it, but like in the back of my head, I always knew that what I, what I was capable of. And when we had the meeting with Coach Mack about redshirting, he was telling me like if I if I could do this, this could like impact me in a big way, like on the next level. Like I can get me out here quicker and faster. And he was always telling me I might not, I'm never going to be here for uh, four years or uh, throughout my whole college career. And so if I if I take this one redshirt a year, it can like relinquish and I can get to my goal faster and that's what, really what I've done and as a team it's just uh, like I didn't think I was going to be had this much of an impact but
1: I am I'm just yeah it. so it's, it's fun to be here something I've wanted to ask you for a while but there really hasn't been a good moment for it but I mean in your in your bio in the media guide when you list your influences other than your parents you list your biggest influences coach Mack. why did you do that because there's been several times
5: where I've, like, needed him. And I'm, I don't really lean in my family as much for, like, basketball stuff. And he's always there. And basketball is a big thing I, I do in my life. So mm-hmm. he's always giving me the right information and the right knowledge. And he's just so he, – he learned everything. He's one of the people, like, he, paid, he pays it forward. So all of his knowledge just throws it all on me. So I just suck it all in. And I, I'm becoming a great player and a great person from it. And that's why I look up to him and, like, try to
1: take everything he does and use it in my game or my life. I think the question everybody wants to know is, Kyrie, are you coming back next year? Just kidding. Uh, no. Um, I guess what I wanted to ask you from your perspective, because you get to see this guy deal with it, when you see, you know, going back to the, you know, his freshman year, everybody had high hopes for him. But when they see what he's done and the attention that has kind of increased throughout the year, from your perspective, how has he handled it?
4: He, uh, he handled it pretty well. It, he handles it way better than what I thought he would. Really? Because, um, you know, we're always, you know, kind and the goofing. So, sure. I don't think he's going to be all jacked up about it. But, I mean, he's, you know, he, uh, I guess I don't know what he really did, to, you know, to take his time and just handle it the way he did. Uh, I don't know if he talked to Mac or anything. But, I mean, he's real mature about it. He doesn't get too cocky. He's real humble about it. Yeah. Which is a surprise because when we play 2K, he's real cocky and stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, he handles it, he handles it well. Like, when we're out in public, people get to ask him and stuff. He, he's just kind of you know mess with them like i don't know i don't know some you know just say a goofy answer answer they just look stuck so he kind of handles it you know on his own i don't need to step in at all so
1: i know you guys are on the same age but do you feel protective when it happens like that do you feel like every time i was like man just let him be a kid let him enjoy himself a little uh, bit or do you just kind of let you just go with the flow
4: i just go with the flow man um if it's my family, personally, and they ask him, I'll just be like, oh, shut up. Like, you know, probably don't want to hear that. You know how I many people asking that? Uh-huh. I can you know, tell my family, just like, you don't want to hear that if he comes like to a family barbecue or something. Right. Uh, other than that, I'll let him handle it. He does what he does.
1: How much fun are you guys having, you know, just being the two kids from Omaha and embracing that whole thing? I know we talked about it before the season started, and, you know, Kyrie, you were excited just to have a better year than you did last year. Justin, you were decided just to put on a uniform and play for the first time. I mean, But I mean, the fact that you guys are both fun here and that everybody has kind of rallied around you, you know, because everybody loves seeing the hometown kids do what they do in front of 18,000 people. But has it felt surreal for you or does it just feel natural? Do you feel like you're just doing your thing out there? On the outside, we're two boys from Omaha, but like on the inside, we're just two best
5: friends that are just having fun playing basketball. Like, they see us as like the, the poster, the poster child's a crane or whatever, but we're just having fun but it looks cool like i'm not gonna lie the, the whatever the whatever yeah the board, little words the billboard the buses yeah. and whatever it's, it's really cool but like we laugh when we look at it because yeah. it's, it's <laughs> kind of funny like looking back like wow we're really on the billboard mm-hmm. and we joking out like he's ugly <laughs> and stuff like that but it's just, you're the face just, that makes the billboard just, you know. <laughs> yeah we're just two friends having fun man it's, yeah. it's, it's, been,
1: it's been a fun ride Yeah, I mean, hard to add into that yeah, yeah. i guess individually Kyrie I mean last year at this point you know you were you were kind of scuffling a little bit you were struggling to kind of find some confidence I mean I think you only played I know Madison Square Garden was a big goal for you and you know playing there playing well yeah. and you only ended up like playing two minutes I'm pretty sure you're gonna play more minutes than yeah, Madison Square Garden this year but I mean yeah
4: it was just all bad and I just let everybody get in my head like coaches wise talking the right thing so I'm trying to do one thing and coach say another thing and coach say yeah. it. but I mean eventually I had to just learn that I'm going to make a mistake and I'm just going to have to get over it like can't be perfect Like, can't be perfect with Mac going down yeah, and stuff gotta, right? and then I'm um, going to be one in your I don't know you talk talk just, now. sorry no. but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah man I just you know had to uh, look at it and uh, I kind of talked to Justin he was like you know what you should got ignore everybody else and, uh, play your game, and I mean, they recruited me for a reason, right? He said that, and uh, I was just like, You know, you're right, just stop, you know, let everybody talk to me. You know, I got you know, a lot of people at home, this, that, this, that. So I was just like, You know, whatever, start, you know, I really start doing what he did was like, kind of turn off my phone, you know, okay. turn off my phone and just got in the gym a lot more. I was already, it was always in the gym, but just turn off my phone sometimes and block just, it all like, out, block it all out, just do what I had to do, it. and just listen to one coach, like, I just listened to D Rock, and then. I'm not listening to d rock I'm listening to Mac, and then that was kind of what I need to. So I know, like, you probably won't say
1: it, but I mean, we've seen evidence of it, that you don't let things go when it doesn't go well. You kind of hold, maybe a grudge isn't the right word, but you want to, like, make it better the next time around. How much have you thought about playing at Madison Square Garden again, and playing in the Big East Tournament again? Uh-huh. and
4: I really haven't. You're going to tell I, me you haven't, okay. I really haven't <laughs> thought about it at all. Uh, yeah, I just haven't thought about it at all. I'm just worried about the next two games. Okay. I mean, what next, you know, take one game at a time, but the next two games and then I'll probably think about, oh, we really have a massive square guard and then prepare for this and that. But I haven't
1: thought about it all year. So now I'm going to ask you about him. So I ask him about you. When you, see, <laughs> <laughs> when you see what he's done from a defensive perspective, I mean, he is – one of the top contenders and should be the only guy in my opinion uh, for Big East Defensive Player of the Year. What, uh, what's it like playing with him on the court knowing that he's got the top assignment and that, you know, Do you, how much do you trust him to handle his job? And What's it like playing with a guy who can create those live ball energy momentum shifting plays like that? Uh, it's cool like knowing
5: like that if we black ball Street and you know, we do something in Wall Street, and I could tell Taz like to be in this position and He's gonna do it because he's, he's so like athletic, athletically capable of doing it But it's it kind of uh, sucks for him because I know what he's capable of and like when he lets somebody score one time I'm just like Taz no like that can't happen <laughs> So he gets, he gets mad at me like he only scored once even mean. when
1: Josh Hart scored one time to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> get mad at him because like, he
5: shouldn't score at all Taz is the best <laughs> defender like you said and uh he shouldn't let anyone score when he does it kind of it, it makes me mad and then it, it makes him mad because I'm mad at him <laughs> so yeah I, I'm always hard on Taz on defense like because I know he's capable of probably uh, worse than the coaches not as much D-Rock, but you know I'm just I'm, I want him to be the best of what he, as be the best of what he's doing that for me for him to do that is for me
1: like yelling at him and being like mean. <laughs> yeah if you had a vote would he get it of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Now we're going to have a little bit of fun because, not that you guys don't make everything fun, but I feel like we should lighten it up a little bit. Um, this is for Kyrie. If JP and Mac were playing one-on-one, just one game, to 11, win by two, who wins and why? J- JP. Why? Because Mac's like sixty. Just It's an, to- an age thing, huh? Ages is uh,
4: just... a... Uh, I don't think it was pretty athletic. Really?
1: Like, yeah. He used to, like, dunk every year. Can he do that anymore?
4: I doubt Can like, yeah, do I do it, I it once it. a year? <laughs> I gotta see it. You gotta dunk. see it and believe it? <laughs> well, I got There's been some controversy about the
1: rim height, but...
4: <laughs> yeah, I think if JP really wanted to, uh, he'd probably beat him 11-0. 11-0? If he wanted to. Oh, my gosh. I don't lose one one Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh. <laughs> JP, if Kyrie was playing Preston one-on-one, who would win and why? Preston. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
5: Preston would win what? because, uh, I don't know, he's a man. This is a boy right here. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, in a sense,
1: Rhode Island is more tougher than Omaha, in this case. OK, OK. Omaha, <laughs> <laughs> Benson. So Kyrie's a defensive player of the year in every conference that Preston's not a player yeah. Okay. yeah. that's fair. <laughs> Alright, so now I want to ask you a little bit about your coaches to see how much you know about them. There's three coaches that you have on your roster that have scored over a thousand points in D1. Preston, Mack, and D-Rock. Who has scored the most? Preston.
5: Preston. Right. Good job. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But Drock and Mac went to the same school, so who got more while they were there? So who's second? Drock. Did you say Rock, You say Mac? Rock. Oh, She's three. Like by 50, 51 points. Only only fifty-one. Yeah, the three pointers probably helped a little bit. I think so. Now not gonna see how well you know your team here. This is based on your answers to those goofy little questions that are in the media guide that I love reading so much. Um. Which teammate of yours is the cousin of Atlanta Hawks big man Mike Maccialo? Zach Hansen. I have no idea. No guess. Uh, Zach Hansen. Yeah, good job. Justin knows <laughs> that. Which teammate drove a Volkswagen Passat for his first car? Toby. He drove a Volkswagen in Slovenia. Yeah, I'm just gonna guess it. <laughs> I got two. Okay, it's Cole. No, no. Cole, six foot eight, got no Volkswagen Sot. Let's see how that went. Which teammate of yours listed their favorite actor as Leonardo DiCaprio? Do you think you did that? Do you feel like you're a Leo guy? No.
5: <laughs> I'm gonna say Tyler. Tyler, I'm come, gonna in. Say Tyler okay. come in.
1: Both you say Tyler?
5: Uh-huh. Isaiah. Oh.
1: <laughs> and the last one, which is this one's going to make me laugh, but which team of yours aspires to be an FBI agent? I'm like an agent, man. Superhero. Ronnie. Ronnie? Ronnie. Okay.
5: I'm going to say Zach again.
1: Okay. The answer is Marcus Foster. <laughs> 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 Kyrie. JP, thanks for sitting down with me. Yeah, it was fun. You, uh, good luck tomorrow
0: night. All right. Thank and, you, Doug. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. Sure. That was awesome, Matt. For real. Like, I just love hearing those guys bust each other's chops, too. Justin Hi. Patton and Kyrie Thomas. Great interview there by Matt DiMarinas on the Blue Jays Bites podcast, sponsored by Lawler's Custom Sportswear. I'm sure that you could regale us with a ton of stuff that doesn't make the cut that you see these guys do, um, you know, day in and day out, but um I really appreciate you giving our listeners kind of a glimpse into what it's like with those guys on a day-to-day basis just going back and forth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a lot of fun doing you know what we get to do as far as covering the team and being around them a lot. I think it's and I I I think it's I think it's, you know, important for the fans to see that there's another side of this whole thing other than saying, "So, how are you going to guard Shamari ponds on tuesday night you know what i mean like there's so much there's enough of that going on to where you can have a little fun with these guys too and kind of getting get them to you know to break character and loosen up and not give you a coach speak answer type of deal so i think that's i think that's a lot of fun and stuff i always enjoy those interviews more and you know i'm 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 assuming people like listening to them more so until i hear you know hey grow up and start asking hard questions i'll continue to give people (laughs) these type of interviews because i think they're you know, if they're not valuable, if valuable is the wrong word, they're certainly, you know, entertaining and people can get something out of them.
0: It's just fake news, dude. Come on.
1: Fake news is all it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Very real news. Why don't you give listeners a rundown of what the next week looks like in the life of Matt DiMarinis? You're going to be covering a ton of sports for White and Blue Review here the next 10 days. It's going to be quite a whirlwind. So, where will you be checking in with people as they follow your? well-connected Twitter account and these podcasts that we put together.
1: Yeah. White and blue review will be covering pretty much every Creighton game for the next week or week and a half. Uh, starting in Milwaukee on Saturday, we'll be at the men's season finale at Marquette, which will probably be a pretty big game in itself. And then Sunday is at noon is the women's first big East tournament game against the winner of uh, Xavier and Butler. So the women's tournament goes until Tuesday, depending on how far they go, and then I'll just fly out from Milwaukee to New York and connect with the men's team as they start Big East tournament play, and you know we'll see where everybody ends up from there. But um, that's what the next week, week and a half looks like as far as coverage goes for White and Blue Review and Creighton basketball.
0: And we won't even talk about the baseball team right now, but they will have their home opener here coming up soon. Yeah, that was my.
1: Some people will hang around for that. Maybe.
0: Um, No, but that would, you know, uh, we really appreciate you getting out there, going on the road. This is a really exciting time for everyone involved with the site and for Jay's fans, you know, the diehards as well as the casual fans. I mean, you'd you'd be maybe shocked to see kind of just how stuff starts to spike traffic-wise and Mm -hmm. conversation-wise just on all of our social media accounts following the Jays here as people start to ramp up around tournament time. So after, you know, two seasons of not being in the mix for any sort of uh, NCAA tournament bid on the men's side and uh, the women, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, repeated NITs but not able to break through the big dance unless they – um you know won the automatic bid like this is just a really great time for both programs so um, at least uh with what the goals are in front of them still intact so really appreciate being out there um Uh, one more thing actually one
1: more thing i'm actually gonna uh white and blue review will also be filling in for uh nick ba on game time oh nice wednesday and thursday i'll be sitting in with Corey and okay I'll be trying to hijack the Husker talk with Creighton talk. So, wish me luck. Man, um,
0: you have tons of practice here every week for <laughs> ninety minutes to two hours worth. <laughs>
1: right. I certainly have enough information to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, that's the that's the docket for White and Blue Review takeover of the world. Our master plan. I like it, man.
0: One <laughs> one podcast, one radio show, and one city at a time. So. Right. Um, yeah, we'll keep everybody up to date on the site and on Twitter and Facebook about where you are and where people can expect to uh, be getting their coverage and when they can expect to be hearing from us next. But until then, Matt, just want to say thanks again for being on the show yep. and uh, making this whole thing tick. Great interviews with Coach Jim Flannery. and Thank you, Lawlers. Thank you, Lawlers. Men's basketball uh, standouts Justin Patton and Kyrie Thomas. Again, uh, really thank you to – Lawler's Custom Sportswear for all of their support. I know they're getting ready to take some gear out uh, or sell some gear to people that are headed out to New York City, and they'll probably be out there as well. So um, make sure you step by. This will be your last chance. Um, God forbid they make the NIT and play a home game. Then I don't know it. I don't know anybody's gonna be buying a shirt then, <laughs> except maybe with something that's unprintable on it. But, you know what?
1: I actually disagree. I think they'll be needing to buy t-shirts because they'll probably rip some on accident or on purpose. However, okay. they just you know, out of frustration, things happen. Accidents okay. happen. Okay. So
0: well, not on my watch. So <laughs> Tuesday night will be their last chance to buy any gear from Lawlers at the CenturyLink Center store. Yes. But there's plenty of other locations out there around Omaha and online, as well. So. Without further ado, we're going to end this bad boy because we've been going at it for a while. And we really appreciate everybody listening. Um, We hope to chat with you with a couple Blue Jays wins in men's basketball under our belts and with a nice run here uh, for the women's basketball team in the tournament, uh, depending on what our next show is. So, for Matt D. Moranis, I'm Brian Ott, signing off for the rest of us at White and Blue Review with a hearty thanks for listening, and go Jays.